Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. All right, this is the Whitetail Experience Podcast. A Dave and Byron coffee, BSS, whitetail-related, prep-related, time of year, what we've been doing, what we've been seeing. Uh, just a solid Saturday morning recording. Uh, we did record this outside. I feel it gives it a little Saturday morning birds of chirping type vibes. Um, just got back from the Mobile Hunter Expo in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Ran up there for a single day mission to help XOP with the booth, shoot some videos, all that jazz. And solid, solid show. I would compare it as far as like size and, and our, our Ohio listeners to like 40-ish percent of the deer and turkey expo, maybe 50, as far as like vendor and just size of uh, room or whatever. But I will say this, every vendor was quality. There wasn't the guy selling insurance and seven beef jerky distributors. It was mystery ranch packs, a couple ordinance, you know, really higher end cooler company, a thousand different you know manufacturers of sticks and and saddle platforms and and that kind of stuff obviously is the wheelhouse of the show but you know the other companies there uh there was broadhead company there was mobile hunting accessory companies there was trying to think what else oh painted arrow you know the new phone mount uh film your hunt type uh product that i actually picked one of those up from a stick bow so, yeah, like just the quality of Ender was, was definitely there. Uh, they had a pretty good turnout at some of the speaker ones. Maybe like I feel like more people sat for those seminars than sit for the deer and turkey seminars, considering there's hundreds, if not thousands, you know, more people through the door. So, yeah, Chris and the whole um, guys that put that show on solid from my perspective, only being there, I don't know, let's call it eight hours. Uh, so, yeah. The other thing I have on my agenda here is I just put up a August oh, deer prep, what we got going on, or me personally, and my focus really for the month of August. I really hope to be able to get out here and hang another batch of cameras and then some small farm-type prep on, on the home ground, if you will. I think that could be a, a productive piece maybe this season. And then, yeah, shooting the stick bow. Dude, I had a breakthrough in the stick bow last night where I was reading some stuff on, on a couple forums. I watched a couple YouTube videos, and I, I was really struggling, I feel like, with my my release, my pluck, and, and maybe a little bit of a collapse, uh, not activating my back muscles all the way through the break. Um, it's funny, when I, when I met with Logan on my second lesson, I was like, dude, if I had just like a release that would just make the shot go. I feel like I can aim, draw, and like account for a lot of things, but like I felt like my uh, letting the arrow go moment was maybe the weakest part of my whole process, uh, not being super familiar with, with with the stick bow game, but that's what I was explaining to him. And uh, yeah, last night and even today, I shot uh, oh, six, eight arrows here already, and uh, I think I got something figured out, um, which would be key. 
Other than that, I'd like to thank my Patreon guys. I just put another scouting type video, trail cam uh, video from Infield up there. I plan to do a little more there as well. Oh, I put up my last bow hunting season film on YouTube. Check that out. I think it's called like Rough Season. I don't know. You can look it up. It's doing okay as far as views. Not over the top, not great, but yeah, I, I just, I put that out there. Kind of uh, some of my encounters, the sheds I find under the stands on there. Mm, the day that went bananas in the woods where I saw, uh, you know, handful of grunting, chasing, bebopping, three or four bucks. One buck just ripping grunts. I, I do wish I'd have captured that one a little more on film. But, yeah, I put that out there on YouTube and uh, a couple people really like it. So, appreciate you guys checking that out. And uh, let's get to uh, the podcast. See you. We are live. This is a coffee-recorded podcast, not beer. <laughs> it is Saturday morning. Dave has joined me on my back patio, sheddish area, bow range, gun range. <laughs> this is a do-all space. Yeah, there's a lot of shit out here. <laughs> Buck photo spot. I mean, this is a... Uh, we're out back. <laughs> it is a Saturday morning. Dave said, I got time to do a coffee and deer podcast, so uh, that's what we're going to do today. Yeah. You were just debating rain gear. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about it because, because yeah, because we got that western trip. Obviously, um, me and Rick are are going out west and uh, to hunt elk. And you know, if you if you research it and stuff, everybody online is like, you have to have rain gear. It's a must-have. It could be life or death, and blah blah blah. And I'm just, I mean, so I've went twice now. I think I had a rain jacket in the truck that never left the truck. You know, we, I mean, hell, we got into a couple of rainstorms, and so did me and Andy. And it's just like, if you got your tent with you, you just pitch the tent where you're at and take cover. Yeah, ride it out. I think, like, if it was, like, spritzing or, you know, lighter rain, Yeah. we had garments to, like, semi-put up with it. And then we always had, like, a couple extra, like, core layers back at camp once yeah. we started spike camping, if you yeah. will. Well, and if it – that would be the thing. If it's going to be, like, kind of spitting soft rain, like, all day, like, I'd want to still hunt versus, like – what what we got caught in were downpours. Yeah, we did. and they were kind of they were kind of in and out, you know. So it was. It's not like you'd be hunting that shit anyways. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the campaigns of the world might be hunting in a downpour, but I think I'm gonna just pitch my tent and hang out for an hour. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I went um, west in 2017 that the conditions they had fires burning and no rain for like one and a half two months day i get there rain projected for four straight days and i it was an outfitted hunt like i was like go what'd you so what'd you do how did did you just walk around soaked or did you have, um, you have rain gear then well one day it snowed ish and we we built a fire in uh, up on the mountain like just, the, the guide was cold well so we we had a bugling bull that went from like 400 to 200 ish is what my guide was telling me and we thought we were gonna pull him in and, and hopefully get a crack and then the storm kind of rolled in the mountain and he's like, well, we can either leave or like build a fire. And if it lets up, we can keep hunting, you know? And I was like, well, I was like, let's just keep hunting. Maybe and you're within range of a, of a bull. And no, we'd like... blown the opportunity. The, so he, he somewhat closed the distance and then the wind kind of went towards him and he got quieter. So we don't know if he smelled me or the calves or the cows or like whatever, like, yeah. Uh, it was just like a turkey all of a sudden gobbled on a different mountain. The best way to describe it. <laughs> but um, you're still in the action, so he wanted to stay out there. I yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't want to like go back to the truck or nothing. We we trekked up there, and let's just 
you know, so we built a fire and hung out there for three or four hours and then um, it let up and we kind of hunted a few different areas or whatever. We did some calling and the rest of the day was the rest of the day. But yeah, I didn't have good rain gear then either. Um, Were you just wet all day? Uh, I had like water resistant-ish clothes and... Did it, he have big time rain gear on? Ah, you know, I don't remember. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I don't remember. It was snowing. And we had some other rainyish type days that, I don't know, like I was just hunting. I remember I had those, those gnars, and on the first day I'd walk through so much brush that was water-coated, and I don't think it yeah. was raining. Like, they were soaked through and through. Yeah. That's, yeah. And then, so then what, do you, do you, you know, do you get rain pants too? And then you're walking through stuff. I can't imagine rain pants would hold up walking through any kind of brush. Yeah. You know, even the best of the best stuff, I wouldn't think. But, so I, I'm debating on just getting like one good jacket, like a quality one. Yeah. Which are pricey. You know, they're 250 3 to 350 for a good one. Uh, are you talking like some of the like non-hunting brand? Uh, no, I'm talking like, I, I guess I was looking at hunting brand stuff. Okay. Like Kuyu, First Light. Yeah. And then they also have, and then all those companies have options. They have lightweight rain gear, and then they have like heavyweight rain gear, which I would imagine the heavyweight rain gear would be like uh, like a lot. It could actually would work better, you know. Sure. I mean, I've had lightweight rain jackets in the past, you know. I feel like you, I feel like you still get wet if you get soaked, soaked. Yeah, I've thought about this buying like a military poncho, like a like a true like rubber poncho, and just take it when the conditions are possible. Well, I, this is more for whitetail hunting. This is because I think that would be heavy as shit and not pack very well. But my thought is, okay, like like you're going for a hunt in October and it's going to stop raining at, at closing time. Yeah. So you walk into the woods with that poncho on. You can brush against stuff. You can you can be in the woods in a full downpour. Once that stops, you take that off and you're hunting in like regular gear. Yeah, because the best, I mean, everybody knows, if, you, if you're out there white to hunting and you get a rain, as soon as that rain lets up, them deer just are everywhere. Yeah. They, I don't know, they just, they just get up, want to shake off, and they just get up and want to just stretch their legs. But, I mean, after a rain is like some of the best hunting I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, and I work in a city where there's deer everywhere, and it's the same thing there, too. Even in the summer? Yeah, right after a rain, there's, it, it could be 2 o'clock. You know, after, if it's rained for a while, there's deer everywhere. Yeah. Now you've been uh, you've been doing some shooting too. Uh, my bow, just a little bit. Yeah, start well, starting to ramp it up a lot more now. I guess I did have to dust it off. I didn't shoot for probably like four months. You didn't <laughs> shoot for the whole month of June, but yet I don't know. I didn't shoot for freaking probably March, April, May at least. June, yeah, probably yeah. Yeah, I mean, normally I think I don't I don't really shoot all that much the compound in the um, spring months anymore. We yeah. used to a lot more when we had more time and no kids. Well, yeah, I have been poking around on my recurve a little bit just because I can shoot that in the backyard. See, mm -hmm. I live in a city, so I can't, I can't go outside and shoot. Yeah, you're the closest place I can shoot, and with that detour, that's kind of screwing yeah. us. The road closes. <laughs> it's literally like six to eight minutes, especially if you catch a light yeah. from my house to Dave's house. But now there's this detour, and it's like a fifteen to seventeen minute <laughs> yeah. drive. You're like motherfucker. Yeah. Supposed to be done any day. They said 45 days. Started June 5th. It's <laughs> late July. Come on, folks. But uh, yeah, I can. So I can come down here and shoot. Um, so that's not. But then, or just the uh, the Metro Park over there. That's you know, it's a solid 20. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, maybe ish. You know, by the time you weave and bob, because the archery is in the far back. Yeah. So by the time you get in there and got to go 15 miles an hour through the whole damn park. Um, well, I got I added a 3D target recently. Yeah, yeah, and then I just shot it just once. <laughs> once, hard shot, 38 yards, quarter away. Dave's ready. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I, I bought the, so I, I asked Shannon uh, Long, who lives around the corner, big deer hunter, and he's got, I think, probably 8, 10 3D targets of various animals, and I said, hey, what do you think? Uh, I found a, a big shot doe on sale. They was a little bit of sticker shock. I thought they'd be 200-ish bucks or whatever, but I, I saw a couple different brands from the um, Glendale, Big Shot, um, um, Reinhardt. They were all three, three fifty. Like I was like, shit. Or McKenzie, that's a big one. Yeah, and I found this guy on sale for like two, two fifty, something like that, and free shipping. Because that was the other thing he said. He said, watch out when you see those good deals on Camofire. He goes, they ain't that good because you get <laughs> royally screwed with shipping. And it's like a big dough. It's not like it's full size dough. Yeah, because there's um, what's the there's another brand that makes the cheapos. Reinhardt makes like a lot of like one third elk. Yeah, and that's for sale everywhere. And dude, that's like a Labrador. Uh, Dustin has one. Yeah, it's like, it's not much smaller than that, I guess. But it's but one it sits third low. elk. Yeah, it sits low it too. It does got weird legs, short legs. Yeah. So yeah, I so my I've I got a stand over there about eight ten foot off the ground. I've been shooting the stick bow elevated at like fifteen yards just to get some practice with that. Have you been shooting that right there? Yeah, <laughs> and I and I'm decent like. And then sometimes I'll walk out, I, this week I've shot one arrow practice, so I only take one arrow out and I shoot like, the first target's 13 and then cube to cube's 15 and then from cube to, to doe on the ground, if I don't move, it's like 11. And so I'll just take one arrow and I'll walk up and down shooting those different things. Sometimes I'll go rogue and step over here behind a tree. Hell, I'm, I got that groundhog the other night. Yeah. No, he can <laughs> sneak. And you think he's dead underneath the shed somewhere? Oh, he's dead as a doornail, man. Like, there was so much blood. I put a, a like, a, a VPA three blade. Yeah, you shot your expensive-ass broadheads at it. And I, it was towards the shed. It was it was kind of a sketchy situation. <laughs> Got to put a hole in the shed, yeah. you know, ruin your $30 broadhead or whatever those things cost. Yeah. But, uh, dude, that sneak to, to kill him took me like 10, 15 minutes. I came around that side and kind of weaving bob and sneaking with the crocs. Well, on the groundhogs, it, it, with the way where your shed's situated on that hill, it's kind of like a dire need that they got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a debate. Because if they start digging under there too much, yeah, your shed's going to fall in the river. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoever put the shed up who lived here before me... They didn't leave no cushion. They, they could have pulled that thing out like another six foot, and we'd have had a lot more, like, insurance. Yeah. But it is literally a cinder block away, a, a, a cave-in groundhog tunnel away from being in the, uh, the river. But, yeah, and then that's, uh, but, Sue, so you, you saw him out here, and he just, he, you were able to just get behind some trees and sneak well, up on So him? I missed him from the trash cans at 45 with the compound, because he was down here. Dude, there's an arrow somewhere in the abyss. <laughs> Uh, that like broadhead and all, so they like bounced off this concrete <laughs> paver where we're recording and like skipped into the back. And uh, he came out ten minutes later because he didn't go under. He didn't really know what happened. And I was like, well, I'm gonna grab the stick and maybe I'll go around the other side and try and get close. And uh, yeah, snuck up, got 12, 13 yards. And where I, was he? He was right in here. He was he was uh, about where those. And um, you were just one tree at a time sneaking. Yeah, so I kind of got low because you know that some of that brush is is in his line of sight, especially if he's only one foot off the ground. <laughs> and uh, put the Mohican sneak on. I thought the chickens were going to give me away because they were bebopping a little more. <laughs> They're like. <laughs> Did you uh, shoot kneeling? No, I stood up. You stood behind like that tree? Yeah, I used the tree, snake mode, and uh, smacked him. Have you done a lot of shooting with that recurve from the ground? Well, standing, yes, but not kneeling. Like, not, yeah, kneeling and stuff? Yeah, that's probably something I need to do. 
Although I plan to, to hunt elevated, just two sticks. We were talking before this. Yeah. You and I were thinking two sticks with those double eighters, and we, we literally did quick math. We can hang the first stick seven foot, second foot seven foot, and then put a one foot gap to the stand 15 feet pretty quick. Yeah, at your feet. Yeah, 15 at your feet. Yeah, that's plenty, plenty high, especially October, leaves, you know, cover. Yeah. Well, because you can only hang a stick so high. I mean, you got to be able to reach up to hang it. Yeah, the button can only be <laughs> on a long arm fella. Yeah. Seven, eight foot max. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you see people post about that stuff all the time about these crazy heights that they're getting. You know, occasionally on Facebook, you see these yeah. videos, and I'm just like, eh, I call it a little bit of bullshit. Yeah. Especially in the win a hunting situation, you know, it's like, and but yeah, but that that would be nice though to two stick it. Like I said, I might just use the muddies. That way, I don't have to deal with the button. I can just clip it through the thing and as high as I can reach. Because that's pretty much at that point in time with 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 a double eighter, we're pretty tall. You're you're basically as high as you can hang your stick. That's your limit. Yeah. It's not like the reaching abilities. It's just pretty much as high as I can reach it to hang it is the is the problem. I have zero desire to one stick. In fact, I think now with the sticks being as light as they are, the long eighter like. If you're one sticking, I just don't see how that's like an effective measure if you think a deer might be within eyesight because of all the movement. Well, and, you have and to, not like super controlled movement. Yeah, and because you compared. have to, uh, well, you have to basically tether in, mm -hmm. then hang on your tether, right? Mm -hmm. And then pull that stick up between your legs and hang it again. Yeah, the inchworm type, you know, yeah. effect to get up a tree. I just think that's a lot of extra like movement that's not as controlled as traditional hanging one stick two stick and the fact now the sticks are so light two sticks 14 foot if you just want a minimalist setup yeah you're looking at carrying pound and a half two pound sticks like and it's like a lot more um i feel like you, you're you're doing a lot more work right to get that one to do one stick i would so think. you're putting in more physical effort to, to hang it mm -hmm. why well, i would just rather waste the physical effort on carrying an extra three pounds <laughs> you know what's three pounds what are you gonna feel three pounds anyways you know yeah I mean, you take a good dump that morning, and you're losing three pounds. <laughs> like it's like I don't, uh, yeah. I, but I've I've said this for ever since we started a podcast. Yeah, I'm like just carry the extra fucking stick. Yeah, <laughs> like what's don't the, film your hunt. What's the reason for all this? You know. Yeah. Strap or a GoPro want, to your stabilizer. Call it good. Stop. Yeah. Or, or you know, and or people got like you know elaborate you know knives and first aid kits and all this other shit and their white top pack when you're going a quarter mile from the road. And it's like to shed some weight there, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Anything else major on the docket as far as you said you gotta get a stand? Yeah, I don't even have a stand right now. <laughs> Do you have an old uh, like a like a cast lone wolf or XOP? Uh, no. You have no stand, so I know. I got it. an old like a big uh, a like, big cheapo that I bought for when Nikki goes with me. It's like a big dog, I think, or something. Mm -hmm. um, which I would I would take it. I mean, I I wouldn't care to. It's, it's a little heavy, but it ain't that bad. Yeah. Um, and I got a uh, I got a couple of saddle platforms. Okay. So I'll probably be saddle hunting for the most part is my, and or, or I'll just buy one of those XOPs. Yeah. Yeah. Or steal one of yours. Mi yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you. <laughs> I got a prototype that I tested last year. You'd have. And, um, the uh, Mr. Broderick and and Deer Hunter podcast. Kevin did a cool um, podcast recently, but like. Something I thought that was very interesting from Brian was uh, the saddle thing. And, and Brian's tinkered with arrows and broadheads and all that stuff. But he made a, a, a point that I bring up all the time. Yeah. So all summer, you spend shooting your bow 
standing on the ground. Yeah. And very identical to standing in a tree stand. And now you're going to cant and lean in a saddle. And it, I just, I don't know, man. I doubt most guys, you know, are practicing like that every single time. Maybe maybe you're doing it once a week on the weekend or whatever. But yeah, I think there that is a, a, a thought. Um, I don't know. I've never shot a bow from a saddle. I, I've saddle hunted numerous times, and I don't think I have either. <laughs> Andy killed a yeah. couple deer from a saddle? He killed that buck for sure. Did he kill the doe um, the week before? He might have, yeah. From the saddle? Um, you could stand pretty vertical, though. Um, some people, kind of depends on how you hunt out the saddle, I guess. Yeah. When I saddle hunt, I basically stand. Um, and I'm just, I'm pretty pretty vertical for the most part. Because mm-hmm. um, that's just more comfortable to me. And then occasionally, I'll just kind of bend my knees just to kind of give my knees a little bit of a, a relief. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of people do that full sit-down mode, too, and then... Yeah, there are some people. Who, I mean, you see pictures and some videos. People lean way back. I'm more. I'm more pretty vertical. So I don't know if it would make that big a difference. Sure. Um, or do you just practice? Or do you just kind of occasionally go shoot out the saddle and realize you're still shooting just fine? Yeah. And then you just, so you just call it good. And that way you don't have to necessarily practice out of it because you're like, you know, I've shot standing for you know months, and months. I went, jumped in the saddle, shot just fine out of it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, confident enough to call it good. Yeah, and, and especially like a, let's just call it inside 30 yards, kind of deer killed inside timber range. That's not a, a terrible. I imagine you got to take a peek at your bubble level, you know, yeah. which I would probably say that sometimes on deer I probably don't do that. Hmm. Do you look at your bubble, you think, every time you shoot a deer? So my mantra when I pull the compound is uh, bubble and then pin, and I say hold it, keep it. And yeah. On keep it, I start to squeeze. We're on pause. <laughs> Jones topsoil. Topsoil. There you go. Driving a truck down the road. That's, that, somebody's doing work today. There, there's been two dump trucks come down the road in the last 30 minutes. Somebody's yeah. got a job to do. Yeah, but uh, we were just saying, like shooting out the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if it's that big a deal or not. But yeah, I mean, it's a good point to make. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't shoot it, it, prior to this year with the potential stick bow. I've never really been like, oh, I need to shoot elevated before season. I think my, my first compound season, I had a Martin. I'd go over to my dad's, and he had an elevated back patio. And I'd throw my, my cube down there and shoot, I don't yeah. know, I was probably 12, 14 foot off the ground. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, just – I think you need to do it, like, at some point in time before season and just make sure that you're kind of – that it's, it, it, it's equivalent. But – I don't think it needs to be done all the time. Mm-hmm. Shooting elevated like that. No. You know, mix it in every once in a while. Yeah, it's, it's just not logistically like doable. No, most people don't have a tree with a target, with a setup. I mean, yeah, and uh, time, right? You got to be able to mess around for a bit. I, when I shoot here, I go put a, a saddle actually on, a saddle harness. And uh, that way I'm tethered because the last thing I want to do is take a face plant from. Ten foot up <laughs> in your backyard. Yeah, I mean it's just a lot going on when you're shooting five arrows at a time. I I, I pull five arrows up or four arrows up and kind of shoot them all and then go retrieve them. I guess if you're going to leave that there, that's another thing too. Yeah, you got to go get your arrows constantly. It's mm-hmm. just yeah, up down up down. If you're going to shoot there a lot, you could um, you could put in like a permanent tether up there i guess yeah so i have a bow rope kind of ready to go a couple of hooks in the tree to hold the bow i can i can stretch and lean up and hang the stick bow from the ground so i don't even have to pull it up yeah and i come around the other side and i i, I basically can get in there pretty quick 
Well, you can see from your balcony too. Over the chicken coop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or but just even just. One goes to take off on a random flight. Well, and then where you, the way your backyard kind of has this hill coming down too, even standing up there in your driveway is slightly, yeah. A little bit downhill. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I definitely don't shoot as much as I probably should, but I usually ramp it up quite a bit before <laughs> before gun before season. Before a trip. Well, and you were saying too, you felt uh, you weren't overthinking your shooting right now because you're yeah. not you, you you haven't been overshooting. It's what it feels like. I mean, yeah, I've had I've kind of you know dabbled with target panic over the last few years it seems, and 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 I didn't shoot for yeah I didn't shoot for four months or so, and now I come out you know here these last couple of weeks and I've been shooting more. And I'm shooting perfectly fine, and I don't even feel like the urge to punch the trigger. Because um, at times I've had to like talk myself out of punching the trigger, you know. Mm -hmm. But now it's like not even like really like it's not even like a feeling I have anymore. So maybe just I just had to take a little break. <laughs> take a little break. <laughs> get myself away from that, you know. Get that out of my mind. But uh, did you I'm, ever? You had mentioned maybe looking at you like the single pin, but you also have thought about the the EZB. The, the crotch style. Uh, I looked at it. I didn't look into it though. Yeah. Did we talked about it a little bit last time we were here, weren't we? Yeah. Um, somebody had. How does that? I mean, do you even are you familiar with how it even works? So it's like the. It kind of self ranges too, but it's essentially a, a a V that tapers towards the bottom, and I don't know the kill diameter is kind of what fits into the slot. So at a further distance, it moves it down. I. I have no desire. I, I'm. I, I feel like a. Seems too cluttered. S sniper uses a crosshair. I'm. A, I'm gonna use something similar yeah. as, as far as a single point of aim. But I. I could see. I see. Um. Oh, who was it? I think it was Antler Up. Did a podcast with. A, I think his name's J.T. Vernon, or, or it starts with a V. I, I might be. Mis but the dude is shooting an old Hoyt uh, fingers, mm -hmm. and. He's like, ah, I couldn't get fully compound, but this is letting me kind of go rogue, and I like to hunt from the ground, and it lets me kind of be a little free. And uh, that boy, that guy also takes his son out, and they 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 got like a mini 3D range out back. They're always shooting, but it hey, it was something that I saw, and I was like, oh yeah, that was kind of the old school, more <laughs> I don't know, raw, real uh, outdoorsman style. Yeah, a lot of people shot fingers. Oh, you brought this up, and I did a, a YouTube video on it. You talked about this generation of, of potential hunters, especially the, the guys just now coming through in their maybe early 20s, the over-analytical approach. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned um, the, the guy kind of getting back more to the roots of the outdoors and getting out there. And that that, that is something I think is, is potentially happening right now, is these guys are, are over-analytical or maybe – Hell, maybe they run 37 cams, 20 cell cams. Like, you really turned them loose on a new piece. Are they really close to being an Indian or an outdoorsman able to really hunt down stuff? I I, I think we, we we might be losing that a little bit. Yeah, we've just, you know, people have just, you know, I guess evolved so much with technology and everything that there's no, the learning curve is, is tremendously shorter, smaller. Mm -hmm. And if you can, you know, systematically go about and be successful that way quicker, you know, obviously people are going to do that, you know. How are you going to tell people to not, like, use, like, the, the technology that's at their whim? You mm -hmm. know, it's like, well, I can be more successful using this, and everybody's doing it, you know. Yeah. Especially right off the start, you know, because, I mean, we're probably the last generation who grew up without, like, cell phones. And, you know, it didn't have, like, the GPS stuff and whatnot. You know, we were just going rogue using big ass forest maps and shit hoping we were on 
public, you know, yeah. trying to be the best we can. And you know, and just, you used to have to drive and get maps, and then pay yeah. or mail stuff in. Yeah, exactly. And then you're when you're out there walking. I mean, you know, you you you. I don't know. You're you're 16, 17, reading a map. Like I think I'm right here. Yeah. You might be a whole ridge away. Dude, I remember <laughs> me and Zoe back in the day. We were on this forest road, and I'm like, I think we're on this curve of this road. That should be public. There were a bunch of plastic signs. I, I don't wonder if back in the day the locals couldn't dupe you a little easier. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. You know, you could put up a no trespassing sign in the middle of a blah, 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 yeah. state, national, whatever, and, then, and you know, deter yeah. people pretty quick. Yeah, and how could you argue? You know, it's like if I'm out there hunting and there's no is there a posted sign, I'm yeah. not going past it. You know, even though if, the, if I'm confident that the map says that's public, you know, I'm like, well, it must not be. Back in the day, <laughs> I remember just as Onyx was coming to phones, you were really debating about buying a GPS. Well, because they, because if you remember, the GPS had the the um there was a there was a chip you put in mm-hmm. them for they, I think it might have been on X or it might have been I don't remember before they went to the phone app. There was a a chip. Yeah, that you could put into like the GPSs, like the the, the Garmin Etrexes and stuff, that was basically do what. On X does now. Mm-hmm. You can mark pins. You can mark waypoints. It had the private public lines on them. It had all that stuff was on like a little chip that you had to buy for a handheld GPS. Yeah. And, and then On X came out on the phone app a couple years later. Yeah. So I can remember Cabela's when they opened it, the Columbus location. They had a full like nicer, clear box display of those yeah. those GPS units. And looking back, Dave, what would that have been? Two thousand and 14, 15-ish probably, when yeah. Cabela's went in the, the before Onyx was on the phone. Looking back, if we'd have graduated college, let's call it 2011, 12, bought a GPS, we might have been ahead of the game for sure. For a few years. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like a significant advantage. Because <laughs> I remember scouting and stuff too, and you know, we, we, we scouted all the time because we just had time on our hands. And... Um, and just yeah, you couldn't like mark anything. You you know you'd be like, oh yeah, I went into this one area. It was really nice. Don't even know where I was at. How do I get back there? I don't know. You know, I think it was up over this ridge. And then you kind of go down. You know, you'd have to have nicknames for all these spots just so you kind of keep track of them. I'd put um, orange ribbon like in opposite directions of what I needed to do. <laughs> so I'd like tie it to the tree on the right of like an old forest road and i'd go left and then you walk in the woods left let's call it a couple hundred yards and there'd be a tack and on the left side of a tree and i'd go right (laughs) yeah we did some we did some tacks back in the day um i never did the ribbons but i did do some tacks back Mm -hmm. in the day and uh but that's also the thing because yeah i only had a few spots back in the day i had like four and only the serious people were the only people walking in the dark yeah or walking out of dark because you had to be confident in where you were going Mm-hmm. So that was before you had OnX where you can just stare at your phone as you're walking in the woods. You know, before you had, you know, people didn't go in in the dark. They waited till gray light so they, because they didn't know where they were going. So I did a lot of morning hunts back then because our, our thought was if you get lost in the dark, just hang out until the sun comes up and then figure out where the truck is or where the roads are. Because, yeah. like, if you got lost in the night, you're screwed. There was many evening hunts that I probably pulled out early yeah because i was like because i kind of like scouted my way in type thing i was always kind of a rogue public land hunter like i never like like i was like yeah i'm gonna go in this area and check things out and i would just hunt that whole day just scouting around but during season you know i'd have like my you know 40 pound climber on my back 
and you know just going rogue i had a lot of spots that were either close to roads close to trails because like like you said i could get to the trail and i could walk in the the dark without a map you know yeah. um yeah and then just like yeah trail and then like one distinctive ridge or something yeah and then yeah and then we like i said and we had nicknames for spots and then yeah occasionally you would try to take like a shortcut and like and then you get lost. I, we got lost all the time. Dude, I got, I, I remember it was like November 4th. I'm in college hunting after work and c- closing time, 15 minutes. Here comes a, a buck dump, bumping some does. And uh, they work right in front of me. And I was like, dude, I'm going to hunt this piece of private for the next two days. I had no, I do, I passed a 110, 115 inch buck <laughs> and I should have roasted him. I mean, he walked, he read the script right yeah. down the military crest, could have killed him. <laughs> like, and, uh, Anyways, I got so fired up, I got lost. <laughs> and, and I knew to get to this creek, and then I had to bebop through the creek. And, dude, I, I did a loop like three times. And then I could see just a rogue light on the back of a, a house. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to the house. Yeah, so, so I, I go to ring this doorbell, and I, I take my, my climber off and, and bow. I put it in the driveway. I ring the door. I just step like 20 feet back because I just I didn't want to scare nobody. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, I got turned around. I need to get to X, <laughs> Y, and Z. And they gave me directions. I remember I called Brooke. I'm like, I'm going to be there super late because I got to walk two miles on a paved road <laughs> instead of like, I don't know, a couple hundred yards through the woods. Yeah. And this was where? This was on. Oh, I can't tell you where oh. uh, via the podcast, but I'll tell you off air. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been, there was one time years ago in gun season, back when I was a kid, I was probably like 16, or I was like 16, and I got lost, lost, and it was dark, you know, and I ended up just finding like a, uh, oh, oops, where we get on there and do these big gun drives with, with family and stuff back when we were younger, and yeah, and I got lost, and it got dark, and I ended up just finding like, a trail that led to like a road and then I kind of knew where I was at and then I was just walking this road pitch black dark. I roll into camp at like 9, 10 o'clock. <laughs> just like, <laughs> and I just walked this road back and yeah, it was, yeah. Didn't was, you and Andy use gunshots to find each other at one point? Yeah. Because you got so turned around and lost? Yeah, and that wasn't even, and that was like a pretty like, like. Averagist, like not a, not, not an isolated day, uh, desolate place. No, not at all. <laughs> It was during the day. It was during it the day? Even, yeah, it wasn't even dark. And you couldn't find each other, and so you, you yeah, called was, him. Well, because what happened was um, Andy shot a doe, and when he shot it, there was like 10 more deer with it that were like a little bit behind it. That, that This was a gun season that, that we didn't see at the time. Um, we were just kind of rogue, checking some stuff out, and, 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 and here, you know, there's doe right there. You know, We snuck up a little bit, and boom, Andy shot it. It went down. As soon as he shot it, maybe like 10 deer behind it took off running. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to go. Uh, so I was like, you got that doe. I'm going to go try to chase down these deer and try to flank them and go around them and stuff. So I go chasing after these deer. I think I bumped them like one more time, and then I kind of kept flanking them and stuff. And I, I, there was a time or two that I almost got on them. I know people think you bump, like deer don't run that far, you know, when you think about it. When no. you bump them, I mean, they're going to go a few hundred yards. I mean, you guys uh, okey-doke that buck this year where you, you bumped him, clearly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then turned around and got him. Yeah, yeah, they don't go too far. And um, so I was basically trying to chase these deer down. Um, you know, I'm like, I got a gun on my hands. I can get in, I can get in range. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I then I got lost because <laughs> I was just too focused on where they went and stuff. I'd, I wasn't paying attention to my 
my bearings e e at all. Yeah. And uh, and I just was, yeah, no phone, no nothing, you know. I mean, I had a phone. I had it, a cell phone. Yeah, it was old, probably Nokia. Yeah, it was like a flip phone. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Motorola a, back in the I day. I had a flip phone when, uh, when I went to college. Okay. Like my first year in college, I had a flip phone. I might have had a flip phone in college. And then, well, and then they went to the, uh, then they had like the ones that had the little texting screen on them, or you could like, uh, I don't know, you could, you could, had the buttons, you know, yeah. you could slide the little phone in half, would slide up or something. Yep, but that's I had what a flip I had. phone when I started college, though. Okay. Um, where you used to have to do the, was it the T9? T9, yeah. <laughs> You so, could go T9 or like the triple punch method. Like if you want to see, you had to yeah, hit it. Burka, burka, burka. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so yeah, so it was just like, this whole started because nobody nowadays has to deal with any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you can, if, if say if I wanted to start deer hunting tomorrow, no idea about how to deer hunt, right? I downloaded Onyx. Now I immediately got maps of every single public land around. And I got map. It shows trail systems. It shows two tracks. It shows where the oaks are. It shows where old burns have been. It shows clear cuts. I mean, it shows everything. Mm -hmm. Right in the palm of my hands. Don't have to step in the woods. Don't even have to go scouting. So I see that. I got that on the maps. Then I can go listen to, you know, 50 different podcasts. Yeah. Um, I can learn, you know, what to do, how to do it. I can go to... Go to YouTube. Punch in, like, specific, uh, yeah. like, oh, I want to learn about hunting... Northeast Montana whitetail. I only said that because yeah. it's out of the Midwest. But yeah, like I want to hunt Mon Montana whitetails in the Northeast and River Bottom country. Yeah. Boom. Punch yeah. it in. There's probably how, podcasts that talk specifically about that. Probably. How to kill buck on a 10 acre uh, cattle pasture you just got permission on. Yep. Boom. And then and then you can go to your uh, your local shop. You can get set. They can set you up with a nice compound bow that you can um, and then you basically can quite literally be shooting. Uh, baseball sized groups at 20 yards within I think you could pick up a bow never picked one up your life and shoot a baseball at 20 yards in 10 shots yeah if you watch some videos Nikki can Nikki did right. I, I, I got her a compound bow taught her how to shoot she's shooting bullseyes immediately yep. at 10 yards 20 yards you know immediately or you can just go the crossbow route and now you got a 40 yard rifle here you go yeah even more <laughs> so yeah you have 60 yards you know what the raven shoots flat to 60 yeah yeah get you get you a crossbow then it's like, oh, you know, so I can get, then now I can get these cameras that just send pictures to my phone, go throw a few of those out in the old cattle pasture. Now I know exactly what time deer are going into this, you know, bait site, for instance. You know. <laughs> Hunt the camera with the most picks or boom, close boom, to boom. it. <laughs> Never thought about deer hunting in my life. I could probably kill a deer the first sit of my career. Could, could very well happen. I mean, it's, yeah. It's Especially, easy. yeah, yeah, man. It's, or you could go on to public and be pretty successful, you know, without any woods knowledge, just by the information that you can learn just through YouTube and podcasts. Yeah. You know. Um, the learning curve is, for, for the guys that want to do it, it's, yeah. it's way better. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. If they you want to start hunting now, you could go be successful pretty quickly. Where it took us, you know, years and years of just tromping around their woods not knowing what the hell we're doing getting in the woods getting in and the learning. outdoors yeah. yeah i listened to a, i found a the stick boy podcast i've people seen me either watching their youtube or um yeah. quoting it sharing it i'm familiar with them yeah. yeah uh i i recently found but those guys uh are actually talking about like i don't know they, they got a series it's all about woodsmanship or whatever and you just listen to them talking they're they're man of the mountain um nathan killen's on there 
uh, what's the Allen's the other guy and, I, and, and the host, but the, they, they were talking about glass and red oaks this year, and um, it was it, 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 uh, one one guy found a, a buck he was hunting. He last realized the summer. Yeah, well, yeah, right now. Um, red oaks? I thought they did. They don't like red oaks this time of year. No, no, no. But like, uh, where are they going to be in October? Um, uh, kind of thing. Uh, white oaks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I noticed. Uh, I was walking a sidewalk the other day, and this batch of reds was was it had dropped because we had a, a rainstorm. And I said, oh, if I was a deer hunter, I'd be here maybe the second half of October. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. He was talking about chasing a buck, and he noticed one buck in particular like to uh, rub the the downhill side of trees. For whatever reason, it was just a tendency, and he thought, well, that meant that buck was maybe coming up in elevation, because why would he take the extra steps to get to the other side of the, the tree to rub? And it was just some some next-level uh, true men of the mountain type talk. When did they think they make the most rubs, in it, the mornings or evenings? I don't know, but it was just like a, a, he felt like the direction, the rubs are on the downhill side of the tree, and based on, I think, some other factors of the woods or maybe where he thought that deer was bedding, feeding, he felt that deer was coming through that specific hillside in an uphill travel pattern. And it was just, it, it was like, oh man, like this guy's fucking dialed. Yeah, I wonder what, I, I guess I've never heard anybody, and I don't really have any thoughts on it. Do you think they make the more, most of their rubs, especially when they make like a rub line, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously during the rut and stuff and some of that pre-rut phase, if there's a, you know a hot doe or something going on or they're just trying to be territorial they'll just fucking rub where they're standing at because yeah. they want to just make a mark and try to show off blah blah but if you know you know he got some distinct rub lines at times mm -hmm. i wonder if that's like more like when they're going back to their bed or when they're leaving their bed I don't know. because that could try to that could help you out a little bit how many know? how many bucks have you ever seen make a rub I've never seen some make them. I've I've seen them make just like rogue rubs. Yeah. But never like, because because you'll see distinct lines. You know, mm -hmm. like it's like okay, it's a buck's clearly traveling this, and he's made multiple rubs on this line. Yeah. But I've seen them just make rogue rubs. Probably I don't know, probably a handful of times. Yeah. Small bucks. Yeah, I had a small buck this year uh, making rubs uh, opening day of gun season. Yeah. They're, like, they're always. It was kind of rogue. Like um, he 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 came in and bedded down. Yeah, just, um, yeah, I don't know what, some of them young bucks, I don't know, they just think it's the thing to do and they just start rubbing around, you know, I don't know. I remember I blew it on a hunt, um, late October cold front, and I had a buck and a doe. The doe blew at me, here came a buck to check her out. I get up in my tree stand, low-key I should have stayed on the ground. I remember you telling me, like, dude, like, I think you were in the action, you probably just should have sat tight. Yeah. And I totally agree now, looking, looking back. <laughs> And uh, I remember I got up in the tree that night, and here comes a, a bug, and he's just raking a tree. And uh, no rhyme or reason. Yeah. I I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've observed a handful of bucks making rubs and never can fully, you know. <laughs> know why. You know, yeah. yeah what's, I mean, it's clearly some kind of marking thing. They, they, send them, they put scent on them and stuff, too, because they, they have glands right there. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if there's like a... I mean, if there's rubs, big rubs in an area, clearly there's a big buck in an area. The one you killed um, a few years back, the wide buck, um, you kind of set up there because you saw a cluster of rubs, right? Dude, yeah, I passed like four rubs in 50 yards or something, and then I get to an area, and it's just a bunch of small trees, but um, there was four within like a five-yard thing, and I said, well, I need to be able to shoot this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I had no big rubs, just some average, and, and but a lot, and I was like, well, this looks good. Yeah. Well, and I would think too. So, so, so if you see 
five six rubs, right? Good size rubs, yeah. or even if you see if, if five six big rubs, you gotta think that the big buck is living there pretty regularly because. Do you think they're making like multiple rubs? Like you think like just one evening some big buck gets up and decides I'm just going to go rub fucking 10 trees tonight. Just right in the, you know, or it's probably more like one a night maybe, one mm-hmm. every little while. Yeah. So it's probably like, so so if you see a bunch of rubs and they're probably in there, they've been there or they're in there a lot. Yeah. Day after day after day. Because I doubt they're just going out and making every damn rub in one evening. Yeah. So... You know, if you see a multiple, you're like, well, he's here a lot. Yeah. Now, the time of, I, I would guess most rubs are probably made at night. So the timing of, of when those rubs um, are made, you know, might have to factor into that. I mean, I think um, I think Infault uh, has that common story where there was some big buck that was kind of local. People knew about him. Mm-hmm. You've heard the story probably. And he says, he said he walked past like four other hunters. Yeah, go back into this area. I think it's a Rome legend, but yeah, because they were all hunting on the on the rubs, mm-hmm. on the big rubs and stuff, and and all the big sign. But he knew that that buck was not doing that stuff till night, and he was further back in there a little bit, and he just went. I mean, kind of common sense. Just if everybody's hunting up close, just go a little bit further back. I sure, guess. <laughs> sure. But so that's basically what he did, and I mean, he ended up shooting him. But so yeah, most. I mean. <laughs> I don't take a. T- I, I like the sea rubs and stuff, but I, I, I don't too. live and die on them though. Yeah, um, scrapes I will live and die on a little bit more than rubs. Like I, I would, I would, I take a lot more stock in this good scrape than I do a good rub. I guess size wise, you know, at least there's a big buck in the area. I think I'm notorious for maybe always setting a stand where I can either see a rub or, or yeah, I can't say I like. Yeah, if I walk into the woods and I've got an ambush location in mind, if I don't, I feel like nine out of ten times I'm setting up with an eyesight of a rub. I, <laughs> I, I think that's just my natural. Maybe, maybe I need to shake that thought. Maybe the buck, the buck I shot a few years ago. Um, I uh, was walking in. And I plan on hunting this one area, and I get to this area, and um, I, I kind of had just picked out on the map. Right, it was kind of a rogue spot. I get there in the dark. And I'm looking around, looking around, don't see any sign, you know, really at all. And I'm just like, okay, so I literally start to unpack. I think I have one stick on the tree. And I was like, guys, kind of keep looking around a little bit just with my headlight, you know. And I'm like, I just don't see, I don't see, I haven't seen any rubs. I don't see any scrapes. I'm like, this is an area that, like, I feel like it's, if it should have, the, you know, some should areas. Should have bucks you, on. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's nothing. And that's dark granted. So I'm like, sitting there, and, you know, this is morning hunt. And I'm just sitting there in the dark, like, fuck, what I do, what I do, what I do. Just contemplating every decision, you know. And I'm like, screw it. I pack up, and I'm like, I'm just going to go further, and I'm, and I'm just going to go to I see sign, mm-hmm. even in the dark. I literally didn't even, I went maybe 200 more yards, and I saw, like, a rub. And I was like, good enough. It's going to get daylight here soon. I'm like, call it a day. <laughs> I right seen here. zero, now I got one. <laughs> yeah. So I like, hung a tree, and then after I did hang it, I did see a few more, you know, once daylight hit. Uh, but yeah, then that buck came down. Now he was with a doe and stuff, and it was like November second or third. So I don't know if I don't know if that that rub had any significance at all. But for some reason, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, calling this good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dave, it's approaching nine o'clock. I know we, we got some shit to do today. I got to finish a, a DIY project. Yeah, we got a we got a birthday party. We got well, we haven't. We got to go shopping for gifts for that. 
The kids are the worst, aren't they? <laughs> then, uh, your free time is not your time is not your end anymore. That is for sure. Yeah. Well, and then they have birthday parties too. It's like constant birthday parties. You know, it's you know we got family friends and all our friends all have kids, and so then all they you know it's just it's just constant birthday parties. Now some of them, we don't we just don't buy gifts for. It's yeah. just like, sorry, like I'll stop by because you invited us. Thanks for the invite, but. I didn't get to the store. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then, then you got to go buy a gift. And then how much do you spend on a gift? You know, oh, right? geez. <laughs> depends on uh, it depends on how well you like the kid or no yeah, kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hear you there. Yeah, so yeah, so we got to run the store, uh, buy a gift. Then you got to buy a bag, and you got you know it's just it's just whole nine yards, dude. <laughs> you got to buy some tissue paper. It's you're all not. You're shit. not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh. All right, well, I think I'm going to shoot today, and I got this Paverstone project that I now got to pay Davis consulting fee on because yeah. he came over and gave it a good once-over. Uh, I got to finish plumbing in that, uh, that sink. That slop sink. sink, yeah. yeah. I got it all, uh, I got the water ran and everything, so that's the big part where I got to turn the water off and then put in the tie-ins of the water lines and everything. and then put in. So I got it all ran to the valve. I just got to plumb in the sink to the drain now, which I got all the stuff. It's not that big a deal. I just got to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind shooting a few arrows while I'm here, and then yeah. um, do it. I'm already one for one. Thirty-eight yards, quarter way, ice cold. Dave put his head in the heart of my dough. <laughs> because you were in there dicking around, grabbing a jacket or something. And I was like, "Well, I'm gonna shoot an arrow real quick," and just shot one, nailed it, and was like, "Good enough for me." Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, appreciate you listening. Team Harder and Bucks. We are out.